1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Hopefully baseball can give us something to smile about here in the near future, but it looks like the vote of the players union is being put on hold now as the health and safety protocols get evaluated with the coronavirus popping up at several spring training facilities over the weekend. Joining us right now to talk about baseball and where it's at right now is the former president of the Miami Marlins, who now uh, covers Major League Baseball for CBS Sports Net, CBS Sports HQ. Uh, David Sampson joining me right now on CBS Sports Radio. David, happy Father's Day. Appreciate you making some time for the show. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. My pleasure. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. So at this point, David, with the latest news on where baseball is at with this negotiation, because they, they seem to be getting closer in terms of the number of games that each side is wants as part of this package but now the coronavirus has become a major storyline in this whole thing. Right now, is the season in more danger because these two sides can't get along, or are they in more danger because of the the health and safety issues?
0: So I'm preparing my show. I have a show (laughs) called Nothing Personal, which is a podcast for CBS, audio and video. And I was preparing for tomorrow, and I was thinking of a song that represents what's going on in baseball. And the first song that came to my mind was Paula Abdul, Opposites Attract, <laughs> where it's two steps forward and two steps back. Yeah. And that's really what's been going on between the owners and the players. Anytime there's progress, you're going up the roller coaster, then you're going back down, and around and round she goes. And the irony of it all is that even with an economic agreement, they would not be able to be in spring training right now because of coronavirus. So it just seems as though that this 2020 season is really in jeopardy, unfortunately.
2: And so I'm curious then, just to fast forward a little bit here, whether it's in jeopardy over the two sides not agreeing, or two sides, or, or the, the the coronavirus. Either way, obviously that's a huge financial hit to the sport. Can you take us, as someone who's been part of these conversations before, I'm sure when you were in a leadership role with the Marlins, what are the folks on the personnel side doing right now to sort of plan things out for the next couple years? How difficult is it to plan things like free agency and contracts with your own guys? Because there's a looming CBA negotiation as well. What are those conversations like inside the building? How difficult are those conversations right now?
0: So what we used to do is we would have a a one, three, and five-year payroll. Mm Mm-hmm. And we would look at what the numbers were. We'd look at the service time of our players. We'd look at our minor league system. And we would fill in names with natural raises or when players were entering arbitration. And we would suspect that some players would leave via free agency. So we'd have a payroll. And we would talk to the owner and say, this is where our head is. This is why we want to sign a certain player, because he fits in what we're trying to do. And I've been thinking that right now there is no team president who can go to an owner with any sort of signing, because there is so much economic uncertainty, the likes of which never existed in my 18 years in the game and never has existed since the Spanish flu, truthfully, because how do you know there's going to be fans next year in 2021? Forget a possible labor stoppage, work stoppage in 2022, which is definitely possible. The fact is the entire economic landscape is so uncertain that I would not go to my owner and suggest anything. So what the GMs are doing now is they're very much focused on short-term deals, which is why I don't think you're going to see long-term free agent deals for Mookie Betts or JT Realmuto or Marcus Stroman or any of them. You know, Trevor Bauer said that he'll only sign one-year deals, and the irony is I'm pretty sure that's all any of these guys are going to be offered.
2: That, okay, that's interesting. David Sampson, former executive for... The Miami Marlins, former team president, and also and covering MLB right now for CBS Sports Net. Um, David, so I, for example, I live in Houston and before the coronavirus hit, big talk in the offseason was, Hey, George Springer, he's heading into his last year. He's probably one of, if not the most popular players on the team. He's the leader of that team. He's sort of the heartbeat of that team. But I think a lot of people here were concerned, say, back in January, that a year from now, George Springer's going to leave because there's only so many of these guys that Jim Crane can pay. Is there actually a better chance now that a guy like George Springer, that a silver lining in all of this, if you're a team that that roots for certain players that are heading into free agency, is there a better chance now that a guy like that would just stick with the team that he's with?
0: I think there's a better chance that players are going to take qualified offers, so the Astros will offer him a qualified offer if they can't get him extended. And the real question you're asking is whether Springer and his representative will be able to adjust their expectations and recognize that they're not going to get what they thought they were going to get in terms of years or annual value. And if the agent convinces the player that it's not good right now, but just stick it out another year and it'll all be okay once there's a new CBA, I think all of these guys will choose one-year pillow deals, if you will, which is why the Astros would have an advantage on a qualifying offer standpoint. They'll offer him the eighteen million or the seventeen million for the year, and he could very well take it and then go into free agency a year after, when there may be more certainty.
2: Interesting. Um, so Rob Manfred is catching all kinds of heat, obviously from everybody. I think anytime this sport is like this, and it, it's, you're trying to get it back on the field, especially in the day and age we're in right now, where we haven't had sports in forever, and there's this pandemic going on, that everybody's just mad. You know, from a fans and a media standpoint, we're just mad at everybody right now that they can't get this thing back onto the field. So, Rob Manfred, I think any commissioner would be catching a lot of heat, but, boy, there are a lot of, it feels like, David, a lot of missteps along the way by Manfred. Can you grade his performance during this labor negotiation?
0: So I was involved in helping him become commissioner, so I want to give you that disclaimer. Okay. And then I'm going to give you my honest assessment. Yep. From a negotiating standpoint, he is at an A. From a public relations standpoint and a public-facing, outward-facing performance, He's at about a C, and what he's paid for is to be an A in negotiating. It would be nice if he could raise his public PR grade, but he's not been given a great hand because they made a critical mistake early and kept doubling down on that mistake, and the mistake was making you and me, by the way, I'm with you. I'm a member of the Media now too, making us all believe that July 4th was ever possible, when in fact it was never possible, and all we did was set up the fans and the media to be disappointed when it didn't happen, and that disappointment is falling on Rob, which, by the way, is his job to take the heat so the owners don't have to. So in all regards, he's doing his job, and he's doing it well, but he could have done better from a PR standpoint.
2: So you, you give him an A for negotiation. I, I'm curious what you thought of him putting out that statement after he and Clark sat down earlier this week and he put out the statement saying that, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially Clark and I sat down and, and, and agreed to a framework that I'm taking to the owners for approval, and I trust that Clark is doing the same with the players. In retrospect, it sounds like that, that either – either one side or the other is not being completely forthright. You know, either Clark or Manfred, or Manfred misread the room. How do you interpret that statement? Should he have even even put that statement out there, David? Well,
0: so I don't like the fact that any side keeps doing battles of statements, right? We talk about that on Nothing Personal. I don't like statements in general Mm -hmm. because you focus and spend so much time on crafting statements. And in normal negotiations without a pandemic— You use statements to try to curry favor and sway public opinion, and I get that. But during this time, it's just both sides are losing that battle. But what I thought was outstanding was the fact that he left that room and said, listen, we have an agreement. Now, is he wrong? It doesn't matter. It was perfect negotiating strategy because he needed the owners to know that he went in there, he did exactly what they asked him to do, He went as far giving as much to the union as he was allowed to give, and he put the pressure on the other side. And page one of the negotiating playbook, forget the public side of it, page one is having leverage over the person you're negotiating or entity you're negotiating with in order to get your desired results. And by saying that it was an agreement that he was now taking to the owners and he hopes that Tony's taking it to his players, that put the pressure on the players. And that was a good move.
2: So, David, we're talking to David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins, covers MLB for CBS Sports HQ. So, so how do you think this thing winds up playing out? Obviously, this coronavirus. Uh, these coronavirus cases that have popped up at the spring training facilities are a big concern. So now health and safety protocols are, are at the, seem to be at the forefront. Let's assume that they get everything worked out from a health and safety perspective and they decide that that part of it is okay. Well, then we're back to the numbers again. How do you think this thing winds up playing out from a number standpoint if we're able to get to that point?
0: I think that it will end up in the 60-63 to 63 game range, which is where it should be because there was no way to start the season, in my opinion, before August 1st. I've been saying that on CBS Sports HQ and on Nothing Personal from the beginning. For months I've been saying it's August 1st, but you just made an assumption that I'm not willing to make. You're saying let's just assume that the health protocols and everything's good from that end. The reason I don't want to make those assumptions is I don't know that that is possible. So where I think this ends is that there will be an economic agreement, and after that agreement, then they will have to sit down and figure out if it's even possible to figure out health protocols. And don't be, uh, and I'm not saying you, but many people are saying, look at the NBA. They've done such a better job. They really have the health thing taken care of. But you know what? They don't because no one has the health protocol situation taken care of because there's no way to sort of grab at a moving target, and coronavirus has proven it is really a moving target.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. David Sampson, uh, former president, Miami Marlins, and at CBS Sports HQ is where you can find his work as well In the Nothing Personal podcast. Give that a download as well. David, really appreciate the time, my friend, and um, let's get baseball back on the field sooner rather than later, right?
0: I want sports worse than you can imagine, like everybody, and I'm hopeful it'll happen. So I appreciate your time, and have a great rest of the day.
2: You too, you too. Keep up the great work. David Sampson joining me on CBS Sports Radio.